over in um, Luke chapter 21 uh, this morning for our scripture. Luke chapter 21, um, as was the case with last week, uh, it's a bit of a, a lengthy text, so we won't take the time here at the beginning to read the entire bit, but we will be going through most of chapter 21, starting in verse 5 and going um, all the way down to verse 36. That's the text that we will uh, try to understand and try to apply this morning. Um, Jesus is, uh, I love Jesus. I think y'all love Jesus. Glad for Jesus. Happy for Jesus. But he is a tough preacher. If you ever really read his right, his, his speaking, his speeches, and this is what you have here. If your Bible is a red letter edition. Most of this chapter is going to be read, I imagine. Um, so this is a lot of Jesus' words, and he's pretty tough in some spots. And I'm not just talking about tough to understand. Sometimes he can be tough to understand, but I'm talking about tough as in he's pretty direct. He's, he, he says it like it is, and you better, <laughs> you got to figure out what you're going to do with it. And in this particular section of Scripture, he is talking about, I mean, the end of it all, really, the end of things. And there's a little bit of debate around this, just to be honest, if you really want to, if y'all want, some of you biblical scholars want to get into the details of this, I think you'll probably win the argument, but I'll just tell you, I, I, I believe he's talking about some things that are to come in the future. Um, and few things in this world are more hotly debated and raise more curiosity then when you talk about both the beginning of things and the end of things, right? So if I was to tell you right now, I can tell you, if we were to announce we were going to have a biblical prophecy conference, everybody and his brother would come out to the church to hear what I had to say, even though I wouldn't know what I was talking about, just so you know. Uh, but if we were to do that, everybody, because everybody's curious about that sort of things, those sort of things. And this is a passage that a lot of folks will consult. This and there's a parallel passage over in Mark and in Matthew. Uh, but this is a passage that a lot of people will consult to try to sort out how's it all going to end up. But I, 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 I want to just tell you all right now, I don't know that that's really Jesus's point, how it's all going to end up. I, I think he gives us some signals here. I think there's some information in here about that, but I don't think that's his point. I think the bigger point that Jesus makes, and I'm just going to tell you in one sentence, I believe what this section, verse 5 to verse 36, what this section really is about. And that statement, I'll go ahead and tell you at the headline, is judgment is coming. Are you ready? That's the message. We can sit here with our charts and graphs and figure out how the end is going to happen. And ultimately, we miss the point if we don't understand that Jesus has promised judgment is coming. Are we ready? In verse 5, as Jesus, or as as um, as he's talking there, he's, he's been teaching in the verses one through rather the previous verses, and in verse five, there's some people that are starting to talk about the temple. So he's in the temple, he's in the temple, and he's teaching, but they're speaking of the temple, how it was ordained with goodly stones and gifts. He said, as they're talking about the temple, he says, verse six, as for these things which ye beheld, the days will come in which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Everybody's looking around at the temple and they're out there oohing and on. Isn't it pretty? It's beautiful. That's what they're saying in verse five. It's just a beautiful place. 
And, and Jesus, do, do, do understand this, that Jesus loves Jerusalem. Previous, in chapter, 20, or chapter 19, he's cried over Jerusalem. He's, he loves this place. This is, this is important to him. He, he's, got, he's offering hope and grace to this place. But this city would, and this temple, and specifically the leaders of this temple, would continue to reject him. In fact, reject him to the point that we know he's going to be on a cross because of their rejection. And now he says, while they're oohing and on, look how beautiful. And, and let me tell y'all, as best as I can understand, the temple that they were standing in was a magnificent temple. It was amazing. So they weren't wrong. But Jesus says in verse 6, he says, one day this temple's going to be gone. You're looking at it right now, and it's beautiful, but it's going to be gone one day. It's not going to be here one day. Now, there was a literal fulfillment of this in 70, A.D. 70. There was a literal fulfillment of this. The Roman Empire, Roman armies come into Jerusalem and destroy the city. And in destroying the city, they destroy the temple. They dismantle it. I mean, there's nothing left. In fact, even going now there, you will see at best rubble and ruins. You will not see this temple at all. It's, it is gone. But he's also referring, if you were to, I'm not going to read it now, but we'll get back to it in verse 22. He refers to something called vengeance, the days of vengeance, days of vengeance, which would have been um, an Old Testament concept, which was the day of the Lord, this day in which there is not just the destruction of one city, but ultimately the destruction of the earth, which is why I say I think this is a future looking concept. But here in saying all this and talking about the days of vengeance and talking about the destruction of the city here, or rather the destruction of the temple, he's picking back up on, y'all got to follow with me for a second, so I want to make sure you get this. This is real important. He's picking back up on a sermon he preached all the way back in Luke chapter 4. He went to the synagogue in Luke chapter 4, and he opened up the scroll, and he turned it to what we would call today Isaiah chapter 61. And he read these words. I'm going to read to you. Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, y'all aren't following along in your Bibles, and that's fine, because that's a place to find. But I just want you to know where I just stopped is where Jesus stopped. It's in the middle of verse 2. And everything I just read to you, Isaiah 61, verse 2, everything I just read to you, it sounds pretty good, right? He's, he's letting captives free. He's healing people. He's helping people. He says, this is a, I'm here and it's a day of rejoicing. And he even says in Luke chapter 4, that scripture was fulfilled in your presence. Y'all with me so far? Now what Jesus is saying is, let me pick up that thread that I left off in Luke chapter 4. Because where he left off, it says at the end of chapter, chapter, Isaiah 61, verse 2, where he stopped, it picks up, and the day of vengeance of our God. He literally stops. He says, I'm here and I'm fulfilling in your presence. This is what Jesus does in his whole ministry. I'm here to help people. I'm here to show grace and I'm here to show love. I'm here to, 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 to bind up those people who are wounded. I'm trying to help you. And that's why we're here and it's exciting. But he says, but there's more to the story. We've got to recognize that there's a day coming. There's a day of vengeance that's coming. So that's what he picks up. He is, he is picking up and finishing that thought. Now, 
The big idea that I want you to hear from this is that the grandest of grand things, whatever the big idea, whatever is important to you, whatever you think could never be broken, whatever you think will never have an end, it's got an end. There's an end that's coming. We may think that mankind has done the impossible, that the world can't possibly end. And maybe y'all don't think that, but there's some people in this world that think this thing is just going to go on and on and on forever. I mean, the, the, the projections are, I mean, we're talking at, at worst millions of years is what people are kind of imagining. I'm telling you, the Bible's telling me, Jesus is telling me that the world has an end. There is an end to this thing. As the old song goes, you can run on for a long time. <laughs> Sooner or later, God's going to cut you down. It's not going to, this party is not going to continue on forever. The million dollar question. What's the question? Y'all already have it on your mind. I guarantee if you're listening to what I'm saying, it's on your mind. When is this going to happen? That's exactly what they asked. Look at verse 7. Verse 7. And they asked him, Master, but when shall all these things be? What shall be the sign when these things shall come to pass? They, they hear what Jesus is saying. And, 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 and I know that you and I don't think of the destruction of the temple of Jerusalem as that big of a deal. I mean, it's not great. It's a, it's a historic thing and it's probably beautiful and religious and all that. But they would have equated the destruction of the temple with the end of the world. They would have said, if that's gone, it's all over. And they're sitting there just like I'm trying to get you to see that this world is going to have an end. And they're sitting there saying... Wow, if that's really going to happen, when is this going to go on? What is going to happen? When is it? Well, first he explains when it's not going to happen. <laughs> that's what he does. Look at verse 8. He says, take heed that you be not deceived. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. And the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. He says, listen, there's going to be some false prophets that come along. And they're going to say, that there, that it's about to be over. And if y'all have lived more than a few years, you've heard at least one or two of these quacks that have said, here's the date, it's going to be over. This is the date, it's going to be all in. I'm the one that's got the truth that nobody else has figured out. Here's all, I'm telling you, I, some of these are some potentially some good people who are just misguided, but 99% of them are out of their mind and they are of the devil if they're trying to tell you when the time is. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what Jesus is saying, that you don't listen to them. In fact, he even says over in Matthew that the day and the hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels in he of heaven, but my father only. Nobody knows when exactly the time, the moment when this is going to be over. That is not what you need to take from this message, not what you need to take from Jesus. It's not even when circumstances suggested. Look in verse 9. He says there, But when you shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified. For these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. He goes on to talk about nation against nation and earthquakes and all these things. He says there's going to be war and instability around the globe. That's not the sign. He says there's going to be natural disasters and famines and plagues. That's not the sign. He says at the end of verse 9 there, that's not the end. Not the end by and by. It's not yet. It's not yet the end. Instead, he says, what's going to have to happen next? Verse 12. He says, before all these things, they shall lay hand, their hands on you. He's talking to his disciples. He says, they're going to persecute you and deliver you up to the synagogues and into prisons and being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. 
He says, what's going to happen before all of this stuff happens? He said, make sure we're on the same page here. He says, there's destruction to come. Are you with me? There's destruction to come. It's going to happen. You're asking when? Well, it's not when the world's a mess, because it's always a mess. It's not when the world's falling apart, because it's always falling apart. He said, but before that end happens, one thing is going to happen for sure for my followers, the people who follow me, absolutely sure going to happen is they're going to be persecuted. They will be persecuted. They are going to be, in verse 16, he talks about, they're going to be betraying you. Your, your, even your parents and brothers and kinfolk and friends, they're going to betray you. And some of you, they shall cause to be put to death. He says, they're going to betray you. They're going to kill you. In the next verse, verse 17, they're going to hate you. You're my followers. You're my disciples. And they're going to try to kill you. They're going to hurt you. They're going to actually put you in the grave. But he says in verse 18, I'm sorry, verse 13, I skipped over verse 13. He says that all that's going on, but it's going to be used as an opportunity to witness. I just want to read this to you. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Here they are being persecuted, hauled before kings, hauled before uh, uh, judges to, to answer for why they're doing what they're doing. And he says, it's going to turn to you for a testimony. Settle it, therefore, in your hearts, not to meditate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. He says, listen, fellas, judgment's coming. But if you're my follower, they're going to persecute you. They're going to come after you. But that's not the bad thing. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to use that to show my goodness. I'm going to show my people or show these people that, that I love them, that I'm dying for it, that I've died for them. I'm going to use you to pro preach and proclaim my gospel to them. That's what I'm doing. In fact, he even says, I, I want you to think about the, the tension that he introduces here. We'll go back to the end here. Verse 18. Remember what I told you. They're going to they're gonna lie on you. They're going to persecute you. There's even some of them going to die because of this. But there shall not a hair on your head perish. How does that happen? How are you going to kill me and a hair on my head not perish? How's that happening? Well, I can tell you why that's going to happen. Because no matter what you throw at a child of God, the worst you can do is kill them. Now, I'm telling you, that's pretty bad. I don't want to die. I'm not interested. Just telling you. But the worst that you can do is kill me. You know why? Because my Savior will re has redeemed me so that I am alive forever in heaven. You take my life and I have eternal life. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So you can't harm literally. And I ain't got much here to harm, but I can tell you, you can't harm a hair on my head. You can't harm a hair on my head. Not really. Yes, you can take my life. You can take everything from me. But if I'm a follower of Jesus, then I have, I have him. And he has given me eternal life. And no harm can come to me. All of this is, this world that's going on around us here, is, it's all the bad things that are happening. And we could talk about that for hours, couldn't we? We do. All the terrible things happening around the globe. But all of that is the natural result of sin. And please hear this. It is God's patient plan to offer salvation. He has left me and you here, his disciples, his followers. He has left us here and we will, 
If those that are godly, he says, I believe it's in Timothy, they are those that live godly. They shall suffer persecution. So if we live long enough in this world and we live for Christ and we follow Christ, there will be resistance. It might be as simple as just some people pushing against us. It might be as complicated and difficult as taking our lives. But God has left us here to live and to proclaim that there is judgment coming so that he can use our persecution as an opportunity to show his goodness and gospel to other people. He is using every circumstance available to save some. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What I guess I want you to hear is judgment's coming. And there's a problem in that from a human perspective is that we want to know when that is. Well, haven't we been saying that for a long time? Judgment's coming, judgment's coming, judgment's coming. Yes, and you should thank the Lord that we've been saying it for a long time because that means that every day that it has been delayed, that's time for one more to be saved. That's time for one more to be a follower of Jesus. That's time for one more to come after him. Now, that might also mean, Christian, every day he delays it, you're going to have to live in this old world. You're going to have to suffer and you're going to have to endure persecution. If you're living for Christ, you're going to have to do that, do that. But God is using every opportunity that is given to us to proclaim his grace, but his justice as well. I know that this world is mistaking God's mercy and his grace for weakness. I want y'all to hear me. That's not what that is. It's because he loves you. It's because he loves this world that he created. So the judgment is coming and the shadows of it are present among us, but the very experience of it will be terrifying. I won't take the time to read, but in verse 20 to 28, you read what is going to happen. He actually explains verse 20 there. When you see the armies compass Israel or Jerusalem, rather, that's when you know it's now. When that's the sign, he says, this is what's going to happen. He says, this is what judgment's going to look like. He says that, the city's going to be surrounded, that you're going to want to get out of city. You're going to want to run. You're going to want to flee, verse 21. He says everything that has been promised from the Old Testament about this terrible day of the Lord, it will happen, verse 22. It's going to be bad for children and for women, particularly women who are pregnant. He talks about that specifically. He says that's going to be a really bad time. Verse 24, it's going to involve death and some captivity. There's going to be a very, very terrible circumstance that's going to happen. There's going to be geopolitical and cosmic upheaval. I do want to read this, verse 25. He says, there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars, and upon earth the stress of nations with perplexity, and the sea and the waves roaring. I'll just give you my two cents here. I believe you, if you really want to understand what this really looks like, you go to the revelation of Jesus Christ, the last book of the Bible, and you'll hear and read about all the details of what this really looks like. And if you're paying attention, it's terrible. It's terrible. I mean, it's, it's, it's terrible. It makes, you know, yes, I know Russia's been at war with Ukraine, so that's wars and rumors of wars, and that's terrible. I get that. But that'll make that little war look like nothing whenever this judgment day is coming. And true anxiety, in verse 26, will hit men. But it will be a very good day. And I, I, listen to me. I know that what I just said is terrible, but it will be a very good day for some people. Listen to this. 
I want to read this, verse 27. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in, 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 in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up, lift up your head, for your redemption draweth nigh. When the end is here, that judgment day is right there. As bad as that is, if you're a follower of Jesus, that is not a bad day. Please understand me. I'm not trying to, dwell, I'm not trying to revel in anybody's suffering. But if you're a follower of Jesus, when Jesus says it's done, it's over. You know what that means for you as a Christian? You get to live in heaven forever. You get, you get the victory. Your redemption is here. It's nigh. When all of this, and again, this is terrible stuff. I, I, I don't think the Bible's trying to make it sound like it's okay or good. It's bad, but it's done because there are people who have rejected Christ, rejected God's authority, and continue to. If you go to the revelation of Jesus Christ, you will see people continue time after time after time, rejecting, rejecting, rejecting. And this happens in that. And when that happens, if you're a believer, you can look up and say, Jesus is coming. I'm going to be saved. I'm taken care of, not because I'm special, but because he is powerful and I put my faith in him. That's what we get. See, the, the, the thing is that the worst that can happen for you as a Christian happens right here. It doesn't get any worse than what goes on on this planet. And some of y'all, you can say, and I think rightly so, I've had a good life. Thank the Lord for it. Well, thank the Lord for that, because let me tell you, you thought this was good? Can't you wait to get on the other side? And some of y'all have endured some pain and some suffering in your life, and I'm sorry for that. But I'm going to tell you, the worst that it gets for you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, is as bad as it gets down here. Because it gets nothing but better. And better. And better. And better. Now, on the other hand, I hope that makes some of y'all happy, because it should make some of you happy. But on the other hand, if you do not follow Jesus, if he is not your Savior, the best it gets is right here. And it's going to get bad. Y'all think it's bad now? I, I, I like to be optimistic. I think I'm probably more pessimistic than I give myself credit for. But I'd like to be optimistic. I'd like to see the bright side of things. But I, I just don't see any way in which this thing gets better on this earth. And some of you might could say, as I just said, well, I've had a pretty good life. I've been blessed. But if you're not a Christian, that's a, that, that is as much heaven as you're ever going to experience. And some of you may have said, just like I said before, you've experienced pain and suffering and hurt in your life. And I'm sorry for that. But if you're not a believer in Jesus, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. The point of this is to say that when that judgment comes, it will be terrifying absolutely terrifying, both on this earth and in the next life. But let me read here in verse, rather point to you, verse 29. He gives a, a parable of this fig tree and he talks about this tree having some, some shoots coming out on it, some buds coming out on it. And, and y'all know what happens. You're in, it's happening out in my house uh, because of all this warmer weather. There's this one little bush or thing. It's some yellow stuff is starting to pop out on it. And I think it's probably a little premature, probably going to get a shock here later <laughs> before too long. But anyhow, the point is, what does that mean? That means the next season's coming. 
Y'all know this. This happens every, y'all do know this. It happens every year, right? It just, it just happens the way it goes. But what that means, that little, that little bud coming out on a plant, on a tree, that just means the next season's coming. All that's meaning is that things are doing what they're supposed to do. That means a tree budding means summer's coming. We don't know exactly when. We don't know how cold it's going to get between now and then, but we know it's coming. That's all it means. It means a lot, but it also only means that, you see. In the same way, all the tumult and the distress and all the things that are going on in this world, verse 31, he talks about this, that when all this stuff is going on, all that means is the end is coming. Judgment is coming. It's going to happen. Don't know exactly when. Don't know how bad it's going to be exactly, but we do know it's coming. It's going to be judgment. And I want to offer that I believe that no matter what people say, whether you're in this church or out in the world at large, I don't think, I think people know that life is ending. I think people understand that in their heart. They don't want to admit it. I don't even like to admit it. I like to think I'm going to live forever. But the fact is, no, we all know it's baked into who we are. We know it's going to end. We know, I think humanity knows that we can't go on living like we live and using God's creation the way we do and there not be an end. I mean, you, you see this in the, um, in, in the, the ecologically, uh, the sustainability and all that sort of things that were going on. Th- those, are, those are done because we recognize we can't burn up this place and expect to live on it a whole lot longer. I mean, that's just, that's just the heart of it. Whether you agree with them or not, that's the impulse. And, and I think even people who live in sin recognize, I can't live with this sin forever. That's why you've got people like the homosexual community who are trying to paint it as a good thing and trying to take what they're doing and put it as a good thing. And that, they're not unique in that. That's what all sinners do. We all like to think our sin is okay. We try to make ourselves think our sin's okay. That's what we do. That's what people do. But I think deep down we recognize we can't go on and on and on and not pay a price for it. We can't do that. And there's built into humanity a desire for God. If I had the time, I would, I would read, but I'll just point it to you to Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 19 through 22, where it talks about the creature groaning. And I think that's what this creation recognizes, that there is something we're missing and that there's something bad is about to happen. We just know it. It's almost like it's inside of our DNA. It's almost like God made us and we recognize that something's wrong. Because I think he did. I know he did. That's what happened. But even if people think they're going to get away with it, I want you to see what he says in verse 32. Verily, truly, I say unto you, this is Jesus talking, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Now, I want to address something very quickly. He says this generation, a lot of people would interpret that, and I think they're not probably, probably not wrong in this to talk about the, the people that are living at that moment in time. I think there's something right about that, especially if you think about the destruction of the temple being in AD 70. There's probably something there. But I also think that Jesus has another layer of meaning to this with that generation. He has been calling the people throughout the book of Luke, the, 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 those that reject him, a wicked generation. And I believe what he is saying is saying, listen, this wicked generation that's around us right now, they're not going to get away from this judgment by dying. They're not going to get away from it. He says, listen, they will surely feel the vengeance of God. 
Verse 33, God said it, you can bank on it. He says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. I'm trying to get this point across to you. Y'all got to just hang with me for a second here. It might look like for a time that the bad guys are winning. You know, sometimes it does. Seems like the people who are against Christ, somehow they're getting away with it. Maybe you're one that's sitting there sinning against God, rejecting God, and you're hearing that, and you're like, it doesn't happen to me yet. And there's a lot of people like that. But I believe the force of Jesus' message is judgment is coming, and you might think you're getting away with it, but I said judgment's coming. It's coming, brother. You better be prepared for it. Be prepared regardless of what. Judgment is clearly coming and nobody can escape it. All of that is to simply say, and this is the whole message that I want to bring to you in just about two or three minutes. We need to be ready for judgment. Look with me in verse 34. Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unawares. He says it's time to take heed. Pay attention. It's time to listen. It's time to watch. It's time to look out. He says, now, he knows his audience, and I think I'm speaking to some people here that y'all probably cover the same range of emotions as you hear something like this. He says, don't let it distress you. Don't be overcharged in your heart. He says, don't, don't let it upset you. He says, don't be nihilistic. Don't act like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's all going to just be terrible, you know, whatever, so I'm just going to just live it up. He says, don't, 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 don't just live it up. That's surfeiting. That's over-consuming. That's going out and just like, go party and just live it up because it's all terrible anyway. That's how some people react to this kind of news. He says, no, no, don't do that. He says, don't be nihilistic. Don't be numb. He says there with drunkenness. This is why people do what they do with alcohol, why they do what they do with food, why they do the things with drugs is because they're trying to numb their minds. It's so bad, I just can't stand it anymore. I want to get away from it all. And he says, no, no, stop, stop. You're doing yourself no favors by numbing yourself to these things. That's not the answer. He says, don't, don't, don't just act like it's whatever, no matter, nobody cares, so let's just enjoy ourselves. He says, don't do that. Don't go numb and try to numb your mind and numb your body. And he also says, look at this part here. He says, and cares of this life. He says, some of y'all get nervous about this. I know church folk. I've been in church most of my, all my life. And you hear, you hear a sermon about the end of times. And like, man, that makes me a little nervous. He said, no, don't get nervous about this. This is, not, this is not something to get nervous about. He says, don't get nervous about it. Don't try to numb your mind about it. Don't act like that, this is, that there's no hope. So let's just enjoy everything we got. He says, no, 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 no. That's the wrong answer to all of this. Instead, what does he say? Go with me to verse uh, 30, 36. He says, watch ye therefore and pray always. He says, you need to watch. You need to be alert. You need to be prepared. Live as if there's an end to this thing. Live as if what you've been given is a gift from God. Live as if, yes, you're going to endure some bad things and you're going to enjoy some good things, but every minute of it is something God wants you to enjoy. 
Act as if there's an end of this. Act as if he's going to use everything in your life for your good and his glory. Romans 8, verse 28. Act as if what he said is true. Know that we live on borrowed time, so we don't promise tomorrow. And know that the end could come at any time. And live in those ways that, yes, everything is, it could end, but it's not going to end until God wants it to. That's the way we need to live. He says, watch, be alert, be prepared. And then he says, pray, pray, pray for his, pray that you can be hopeful for his return, looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He goes on to say in verse 36, he says, watch and pray always that you be accounted worthy to escape all these things that come to pass. He says, pray to make sure you're, I'm just going to put it in my language. Pray make sure you're saved. Are you a Christian? You say, well, I've asked Jesus to save me. Well, praise the Lord. That's what he said. And I asked him to save you. He said he would. So there you go. But you, you've never trusted in Jesus. You've never asked him to save you. You might want to do that because you're, not going, you're going to have to suffer this judgment if you do not. That's what he's saying. Pray that he says there, pray that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, that he can he can uh, make sure that you're counted worthy to to come uh, to escape these things and then to stand before the son of man. Pray that you'll be ready to stand before God. All that's simply to ask you this question. Are you ready? Judgment's coming. And again, I, I want to be, be, be real honest with you. When you hear that, like, oh my goodness, there's a nervousness that comes to my mind. Oh man, my nervous. I'm upset. But think about why you're ready, if you're ready. Why are you ready? Are you ready because you lived a good life? Well, I can just tell you, that's not going to work. Are, are you ready because you come to church on a regular basis? I'm going to tell you, that's not going to work. Are you ready because everybody thinks a lot of you? That's not going to help. The end is coming. Judgment is near. Judgment is sure. Why are you ready? There's only one answer. Because you're watching and praying. You're watching, prepared as if this world is not yours and it's not forever. And praying and asking God, make me ready. Save me, Lord. Save me, Lord. And if you've been saved, you've already prayed that. Just pray that he will make you worthy as you walk through this life. Because you're going to suffer some things. That you can be prepared to... Be the witness that you need to be. So are you ready? I want to ask you to stand, give you an opportunity to respond to this, asking you, are you ready? Are you ready? Have you been filled with hope or dread? You filled with the Spirit to face what's going to come? Are you ready to stand before a holy and righteous God? My invitation to you is simple. Make sure you're ready. Make sure you're ready for what's to come. Make sure you're ready for what's to come in this life. And that's only going to be possible if you will watch and pray. Lord, please move among your people. Help us to hear your words and respond as we should. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.